0: Welcome to the Uppity Women Podcast. We have been out for quite a while for the holidays and for some much needed rest on my part. Um, So, this week we are coming into 2020 with an interview with Susan Curtis. She's the founder of Girl Attorney, which is a nationwide network of female attorneys. Each state has their own kind of chapter, if you will. Arkansas has a group with almost 1,200 members, which has been fantastic. I use it all the time, and it's been a great resource. So Susan and I talk a little bit about that, about how she ended up in Oklahoma, and why she started Girl Attorney, and how it has grown to about 25,000 people. And if anyone from Alaska is listening, there are no members in that group, but it's available. So sign up, get started. But in the meantime, I hope you all enjoy this conversation. It is Definitely law-related, but the issues that women have in the legal field are certainly not unique. Um, they're faced in lots of fields. So we're doing our part to support each other and do good work and be good, supportive resources for each other, which, of course, I love. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to a brand new year. It's going to be a good one. I insist.
1: I And I have to finally... Get it off the ground in the next couple of weeks. Um, the for the, a podcast for interviewing women attorneys that I've been wanting to do for years now. Good. And uh, yeah, just get people's stories out there. I just love, uh, you know, whether it's someone who was practicing law when there were almost no women around, and all the unique things that they experienced. I just love those stories, and then to think everyone's kind of killing it in their own way in their own way right. overcoming their issues or their yeah i mean yes so when i had the idea basically no one was doing it and now everyone's doing it so i'm like well there's not really a need anymore uh, but i'm gonna think- follow through
0: <laughs> i think there's, I, think there's an, I mean i don't know of any podcast who focus on just women attorneys know? Oh,
1: well, uh well actually now that you mentioned it
0: no it makes me feel really good yeah. I think about that. No, I would. Yeah, you're right. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And there are some that I will just kind of pick and choose, and some I totally, like, true crime or something like that. I'll, yes. I'll listen to every single episode. But yes. um, what I have found, I think, with Uppity Women is, really, I interview people who I'm interested in talking to, who I'd want to have in my living room and have a glass of wine and just talk right. about things. Yes. And so Ooh. I feel like people kind of pick and choose which interviews they listen to, I think there would be a similar kind of audience for a girl attorney podcast. Because uh, yeah. I may not want to know about all of them, but I want to hear women's right. experiences. And yeah. especially, well, I'm a fixer. So I always want to hear the things that have to right. be fixed, but not all the bad stories, right. good ones too. But i like to hear it comforts me to that, hear the challenges Process
1: through things, right? Right. So my favorite interviews to listen to, or stories to listen to are things that you hear on uh, radio shows like uh, This American Life. Mm-hmm. So I can get so into a story about someone who's not famous and whose situation's really unique, but the human experience is common. Right. And so I just love those ordinary people stories. Right. And uh, I wish very much I had actual. That's one reason why I haven't started it yet. I. I know I do not have the skill set to do a beautiful, interesting interview with someone. Like I, people study to learn how to do that. I have not studied to learn how to do that. So I have an interest, and I know the learning curve is going to be really steep. So um, well, I just keep getting spooked. But but you are trained I'll, I'll figure for that. It out.
0: <laughs> you are trained for that. Interviewing <laughs> uh, clients. Yeah. Working but positions are different. <laughs> well. I'm good at definitions. <laughs> yeah, but that's, a, but, but you've got a yeah. different purpose, but you're, I mean, when you yeah. interview a new client, you're sussing yeah. out their backgrounds and what happened and all of those things. So I, I would yeah. not, don't let it hold you back. I'll tell but you it what it doesn't the-
1: feel like I'm, if I'm listening to, you know, Terry Gross or, and of course she interviews famous people, but they aren't necessarily people I've ever heard of, but mm-hmm. you know, when those people are, it doesn't feel like they're just collecting information. It's like, that was a really good question. You know, I really did want to know that. So yeah, I mean, I'm not all doom and gloom. I would have abandoned it by now. Right. I'm not expressing abandonment. (laughs) I'm not saying it can't happen in two or three weeks. And I just be like, nope, that's official. I'm not doing it. But I'm not saying that yet. Yeah, I figure I, I need to do it. I need to get it started. And Hopefully, some good comes from it.
0: I think so. Yeah, I think so. Really, I mean, why exercising not? Exercising
1: that muscle of doing things you
0: don't normally do these days and, ugh. Right. Well, it's, it's time consuming. And it's great. Yeah. And, it, and have, it's
1: time consuming. Yeah,
0: it is time consuming. And if you have the, the resources, which I don't, so I do all my own editing, but. Um, oh,
1: no. I'll be doing all my own too. Okay. Which I'm thinking it'll be pretty close to none. Because if I have to do too much, I won't do it. Right, so we'll we'll talk about
0: this when you're ready. You call me, okay, and I'll tell okay. you everything. Thank <laughs> I you. am also producing a true crime podcast. I'm starting a um, a podcast with a friend of mine. A, she's a journalist, and it's called Unsolved Arkansas. Oh, <gasps> what a great name! Yeah, and and it's I'm excited about it, but I am completely stuck in the with really what you just said, and I'm I'm stuck in the trying to produce a slick show yeah. that people are compelled by that doesn't sound too cheesy like a homemade right podcast which it is and so there's that so I'm insecure about that but also I'm taking comfort in um, an interview that Ira Glass did about 10 years ago and he said that your talent has to catch up to your taste and I I, oh, I can read a great book so
1: sweet to hear yes that is, yes you get and better as you go
0: it. yeah Wow. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Yes. I'm I'm trying to keep that in mind as I go. And I think, okay, well, maybe the first season isn't going to be the best season, but it's going to get better. So that's how I look at it. So we should probably start this interview. Okay. All right. We have, I am recording. Um, well, why don't you start by introducing yourself oh. and give me a little bit of your background.
1: So I am, I'm Susan Curtis. Um, I, boy, there's a lot. Um, I am a plaintiff's personal injury lawyer. I started on the defense side uh, working actually in-house for an insurance company and genuinely enjoyed the work I did and worked with a great team of people that taught me how to litigate from day one. I actually literally was in trial doing direct exam of our insured on my very first day of work at that law firm. Wow. Um, and, uh, that was right out of law school. So I, I was learning to try cases from day one in an environment where I was told, uh, we've got your back. You go out there, you pull the trigger, you make the decisions. Um, you need to trust yourself and, uh, you, you may make decisions that you think I'm never doing that again (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that'll be okay. We'll have your back and, uh, you'll learn from that, but you have to trust yourself and feel comfortable making those decisions on the fly. So what a privilege I've come to learn to have been able to learn how to try cases in an environment like that. I um, tried a dozen jury trials, and that's not counting my first one, right? Because that wasn't really my trial. That was in trial, but it wasn't mine. Mm -hmm. But within three and a half years, I would tried a dozen jury trials and um, really basically stopped enjoying my wins. Um, I live in a really defense-friendly jurisdiction, and I never called anybody a liar. I did my homework, but um, there were just so many trials I'd walk out of and think, well, that person should have gotten something, Mm -hmm. or they got considerably less than what I thought they could have should have gotten. And there were a handful of trials I walked out of and thought, I could have beat me, but my gut feeling was that that other lawyer on the other side had maybe spent their weekend at the football game <laughs> and did not actually prepare their case. So I felt ultimately that I wanted to use my litigation experience to help folks pursue a fair verdict. And and if I somehow accomplished more than I meant to, everyone would be happy. It would, I wouldn't feel bad. right? So I wanted to really enjoy going for it and uh, getting it. Right. I, about that time, I got called by a, a, a law firm on the other side and asked if I would ever consider switching sides. And so that's what led to my um, leaving the defense side. And then a few years after being with a large firm in Oklahoma City, I went out on my own. So somewhere in the middle of all of that, I started moving forward with um, the idea of starting Girl Attorney.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, should I go ahead and tell you a little bit
0: about that? or? Well, actually, I want to back up a little Wait. bit. So um, okay. are you from Oklahoma?
1: Not originally, but mostly. I was raised in a military family. Mm-hmm. And so we moved around a fair amount growing up. But even then, not as many uh, states as most kids in the military. I was in Oklahoma for seven years up to, up to high school. And then I went overseas for high school and then uh, went to college and just outside Chicago. And then um, ended up back in Oklahoma about 20 years ago.
0: (laughs) And your family, did you still have family there?
1: You know what? Um, When I went to college, my mom and dad came back to Oklahoma. Okay, And so um, I went from uh, the Midwest, out to the East Coast for a few years after college, and then came back to Oklahoma eventually with a young family at the
0: time. All right. So, um, as I mentioned, I was born in Oklahoma, but I did yes. not really grow up there. We grew up all over the Midwest, Wyoming, Colorado, the Dakotas. But I've been in Arkansas now for 22 years, and this is where my biological father lives. So, that's my connection to Arkansas. But I oh, have very fond memories of Oklahoma City. I remember my address. I was born in Midwest <gasps> City Hospital. <laughs> I just have – I miss my my grandmother. She was the best. She was my person. Um, and so anyway, I have very fond feelings about Oklahoma. And I still have a cousin in Norman.
1: That's but, amazing. Yeah,
0: but she – but it was a very small family. So.
1: I, I, a lot of times, you know, when – when people will say oh when you're in dc stay with me or visit me or when you're in new york you can stay at our place and i'm always like when you come to oklahoma city but of course it's kind of a punchline because right. i'm like no but you might you right. might be driving cross country you never know Got
0: you so
1: yeah it's kind of fun to meet somebody who's actually familiar with oklahoma city who's not from here which by the way it's a great city yeah um, but uh but uh it's not a, as of yeah, it is not a destination city. So,
0: no. And and Little Rock is getting that way. We have Airbnb apartments upstairs and so I meet a lot of people who really come here as a destination, but I feel like Little Rock and Oklahoma City are similar. They're similar in size and Oklahoma City is probably a little more of a it feels a little more rural to me or something. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> well,
1: um I I can't really say. I don't know. I uh, but I love it. Its former life in the 80s or even the early 90s is really just a shadow of what it is now. Mm-hmm. It's been really, really sweet. And uh, for a number of decades now, the community has been voting for a sales tax that funds debt-free all kinds of improvements for the city. And in fact, we actually just had a vote uh, last week and it passed uh, by 70% uh, of the voters voted for it. And it's really just to maintain the prior tax, right? Mm Because it's just a continuation of it. And uh, the last round of proposals, like what the money will be used for is really focused on more on mental health and community building senior centers. Wow. Um, Yes, it's, very, very sweet. So we have a lot of great infrastructure there now, beautiful park, um, that again, and a tram, all this stuff. And, again, it's all debt-free because we actually we're, like, one of the reddest states in the nation, like, no taxes. Mm-hmm. But they vote. we vote for the city tax. Um, the government's been doing really good things with it. So good. They, uh, they keep getting the money and putting it back in the city. So it's been really fun. Well, well you'll have to come back. I, I will. And take a look. And, and don't stay with your family. Stay with me.
0: I'll stay with you. <laughs> don't worry. Um, well, Perfect. last thing about Oklahoma City, I just remembered this. I don't know for sure, but I'm sure that it was Bricktown. When we were little, the women in my family were all involved with the Catholic Church. And so a priest, Father Herman, would always come and get us. He was a very good friend of the family. He would get us and drive us to the ghost town. And I am sure mm-hmm. it had to have been Bricktown, because that was just a, a kind of a wasteland until they reused Yes. It revitalized was. it, right? Yeah. Yes, so, absolutely, we were just sure that there were ghosts in all the old buildings, and <laughs> anyway. So, okay.
1: I mean, if if they're lucky, there's still some ghosts there, because that's good for tourism, I right hear. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Go- yes, ghost hunting. That'll be my next podcast. No, not really. Yeah. Um, so practicing in Oklahoma, I feel like we're both from southern states, and Arkansas does definitely tend to be patriarchal, and I, I see mm-hmm. a lot of um, sexism in the legal field is, well, f- first question, what drove you to go to law school? And two, what things, and I, and I read that you're about page on the girl attorney website, but yeah. what things were you noticing particularly about women in the legal field before you started and as, after you started girl attorney?
1: Well, okay. So I went to law school, um, after um at the time being a mostly stay-at-home mom of two and pregnant with my third i was called to jury duty and it was a week and a half long bad faith jury trial after which i just thought well that was just the best show ever so oh, you got um, chosen yeah, I remember this is before I went to law school. Oh, 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 okay. Why I went to law school? Right. So Sorry. that's what happened. Oh no, no, no. But I mean, no people will say that. They're like what? Um, no, I'm like no. That's why. Um, so yeah, I was um, I worked part time at a flower shop. When I got called for jury duty, I went to the library and got a book on how to start your own flower shop because I thought, you know, it might be time for me to do something on purpose instead of just being employed. So that was on my mind to do something more substantive with my day and earn as part of my role as a parent in the family. And uh, but so that really turned a bunch of lights on for me, just the jury trial experience. So um, and just coincidentally, very funny, maybe not. I don't know. But the defendant in the trial was the same insurance company that I ended up working for right out
0: of law school.
1: (laughs) So we actually, it was a, it was a plaintiff's verdict and, uh, it ended up being a landmark insurance bad faith case. The name of the case is Badillo, The short name of course is Badillo. So anyway, so we found for Badillo um, against this insurance company. Um, I called the judge, a woman I called, uh, well, I didn't call her a woman. I called her, Mm -hmm. following the experience of being a juror. A couple months later, I called and asked if I could take her for lunch because I didn't really know anybody because I didn't grow up in Oklahoma City and I didn't live in Oklahoma City when I was a young person. We lived in a smaller town in Oklahoma. And um, so I didn't really know. I knew no women lawyers who were practicing. And uh, because this woman had presided over the trial, I was like, well, she's Clearly, a successful woman lawyer because she's a judge. And I'd asked around and I heard she had children they were grown, but nonetheless, I thought, well, she did it. I'd be curious to find out more about what this is like. So um, I had, uh, she invited me to have lunch with her at her office. And so we did. We had a brown bag lunch and, um, She even invited someone from, now I do not know, it was either the public defender's office or the DA's office, a woman who had gone to law school while being a mom. Mm -hmm. So she invited her to come along to the lunch and uh, and it went really well. I felt really encouraged, I asked a bunch of questions. And then after that I asked the judge if I could sweep her floors and make her coffee (laughs) because I wanted to see more than just what the jurors see, right? And uh, she said, well, I've already got people that do that, but why don't you just come? So the next basically calendar year following being a juror, I would go, I can't remember now. I think it was once a week um, and maybe it was twice a week, but I think it was just once a week. And she let me read the motions and the responses, and we talk about it. She let me sit in you know, with the lawyer's permissions on in-camera reviews, and mm-hmm. it was just very interesting. And so I started law school a little over a year after being a juror. That is why I went to law school. Wow. Um, and, and what then, a kind
0: woman. I'm, I'm so oh, glad she let you do that. She
1: was amazing. She is amazing. um Her name is Nancy Coates. Yeah, she's one of the reasons why I have such a strong feeling about telling the stories of women attorneys and supporting women attorneys. Anyway, she's she was really quite. She said to me one time though, it was so funny. She said, uh, "Wow, you know, I just have to say." This is like probably in the fall when I was with her before going to law school you know, I just really admire you. It takes a lot of guts to call a judge. (laughs) And I just, I just remember kind of going cold. I was like, oh my gosh, if I'd known it took guts, I probably wouldn't have done it. I just thought it was logical. I thought, well, you're the only one I know. Um, You're a woman and you're, you went to law school and you're apparently successful. Um, and, uh, but it, but but when she said it, I remember feeling very self-conscious. She was obviously being kind and lifting me up, and having said it, but it made me, it gave me, it made me stop for a minute because I thought, oh my gosh, um, right. I wouldn't have done something bold <laughs> to her. Um, so I, by her saying that, it made me realize it kind of was, and it it was just a funny experience.
0: Well, but, uh, so did that did that in, 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 embolden you then going forward? Were you were you? Yeah how would you describe yourself? So you weren't a risk taker, or you wouldn't want to impose on people? I mean, did that experience change anything about you? Or how you operate?
1: You know, it's funny you say that I, I was taught at a young age, you know, all they can say is no. Mm. And I've lived by that. And then there's this other parallel world where I'm I was groomed to not impose yourself, not draw attention to yourself, not ask for special favors, right? All those things which are to some degree correct and to some degree unhealthy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, it was really consonant for me to have done that because all she could say is no. Um, on the other hand, it did make me a little self-conscious too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I can say both of those ideas drive decisions I make today right wanting to be respectful and not step out of line it's not step in front of anyone in line right that kind of thing and yet also wanting to uh, not just fall in line and only do or experience or explore things that are brought to me Um, and thinking out of the box is just the way I'm wired so all those things kind of factor in I can't really say that it's a big shift or that it changed things. Um, but I am a huge, um, I'm a huge proponent of, and, and sometimes it comes back to bite me. My oldest will ask me things. Sometimes I've just noticed with her, especially (laughs) she will be like, so, Hey, can we do this? Or can we not do that? And I'll be like, Oh, dang it. She's like, well, all you can say is no. Right. So I'm like, it's funny. I'm like, well, just don't even ask me for that. (laughs) I feel more comfortable if you didn't press me. Right. Um, so it is funny, but I I definitely get that coming back to me. Yes,
0: paying but for your raisin. It, pardon me. My my ex husband my ex-husband used to say, "You're paying for your raisin." Oh, yeah. Meaning basically, we're just yes. you know, paying for yes. our parents raising us. Yeah, anyway, yes, right,
1: exactly, absolutely. So I and mean, then answer a question about um, the kind of the. What my experience has been as a woman lawyer, my observations about being a woman lawyer in the community I practice law, it's, um, it is is different. Um, there's it, It's not always different. There are um, men and women both that interact with women attorneys as attorneys. And then there are men and women both that sometimes don't give you um Uh, it would appear that they're not giving you all the same credit that they could or should because of the work you've done Mm -hmm. and who you've proven yourself to be or, you know, yeah, who you've proven yourself to be at whatever stage you're at, right? You haven't not proven something when you've just graduated law school,
0: you got through law school.
1: Right. Um, So at whatever stage you're at, there seems to be some sort of a diminution of value because you don't have the bonus body part. And, uh, that is like i said it i see i see it happening sometimes not all the time one of the things that i think is probably one of the more consistent things that's frustrating is just the presumption that you're not an attorney simply because you're a woman mm-hmm. and you know in settings uh, probably the most easy to explain is walking in for a deposition to a law office and they assume Um, that you're a court reporter just because you're a woman and if a man had walked in with a big briefcase they would not say go set up your equipment in there assuming that he's the uh, court reporter right and and what I think is important to to always say is that being a court reporter is awesome so it's not that that's the problem it's that they're presuming something they're assuming something about you just based on gender that's not okay. That's annoying. Mm-hmm. And to be part of a community that does not recognize you simply because of your gender, that can—it just—it's energy that you're using to get from being outside the club or the group or the community, and you're you're putting yourself back in. Oh, actually, I'm one of you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's a—it's you know, listen, it's not the worst thing in the world, but. When you're a part of a community and you know you're part of a community and you have that solidarity, that support, that respect, that mutual respect, like, hey, you know, that like nod to each other, like, hey, we're here. This is great. Um, versus you could and should be experiencing that, but there's this disconnect because they just don't see you. It can be discouraging. Mm hmm. Um, and particularly when it happens frequently. When it's isolated, it's a blip. But I think um, I can't compare this area of the country to any other because it's not practiced in any other areas. So I don't know if it's less common somewhere else. But, um, but definitely, you know, the Midwest is uh, more influenced by um, communities of you know, faith-based communities that mm-hmm. tend to be, uh, that that do lean towards patriarchal norms. That's a part of the the societal culture in a stronger way than it is uh, in other areas of the country. And so I think there's some undercurrents. And, and just historically, you know, women are later to these, later to the professions at all. Right. Um, uh, and so there's just some community norms that you're overcoming. And I think we do lag behind areas of other areas of the country, in part because those norms are new uh, have been rooted for longer. And uh, so we just have more of those experiences I believe for that reason than some, some, uh, other women in other areas of the country, but it happens everywhere. And again, it doesn't happen all, all day mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm. you know, all day, every day, it's, it's really unique to each experience, but it is part of the experience. And, uh, that's partly why, again, I just feel like it's so important that, that it's important to me to be able to facilitate communities where women are embraced as the professionals they are, period. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, it, where gender you're just gender blind. It's just you're an attorney, you're a colleague, yeah, you're whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um I have heard you know just so many stories about about women in Arkansas and you know just having to prove that they're attorneys. You know the bailiff mm-hmm. won't let them in past the bar because they don't believe they're attorneys. This mm-hmm. this very year, I walked into a deposition and they thought I was a court reporter. And, um, you know, and of course I'm always lovely in my response and don't, it's just the way it is, but, um, yeah, it can be, it can be frustrating.
1: Yeah. And then, and then, so I am a very white woman. Um, it's an issue for me. And, uh, of course you probably already know this and probably anyone who's listening to this already knows this, but it bears repeating for women of color, it's exponentially worse. Right. Um, so, um, it's, it's the kind of thing where if I dwell on it, it really gets me fired up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I try, um, I try to figure out how to equal parts care and move forward in action, not be discouraged by it or held back or sitting in anger. Um, because I think calling it what it is is important and calling it what it is is the kind of thing that will piss you off. Mm-hmm. And I think it's appropriate that it pisses us off. Um, I try to move forward also. And uh, and uh, op- being optimistic isn't quite the right word I'm looking for, but just just being um, uh, hopeful in moving forward and, uh, and uh, not being defined by or discouraged by the reality which is discouraging
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, but hopefully it's changing
1: (laughs) yeah it's not changing fast enough yes and yes exactly i think so too
0: yeah but i I think i'm i'm glad you brought up women of color because you're right in in every single way they are at an even greater disadvantage than than we are as white women Um, yep all right quick little break while we hear from our sponsor we'll be right back I started Women Lead Arkansas in 2013 as an effort to train women to run for office. I made it nonpartisan because I want all women to have access to resources so they can become engaged in politics, policy, and leadership, regardless of their beliefs and backgrounds. Show your support by going to womenleadarkansas.org and get 15% off hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs by using discount code UPPITY, U-P-P-I-T-Y. The times we're living in cause me great anxiety, which I discuss in many of the episodes, but I know we can do better. Help Women Lead bring more people and resources together to make Arkansas the best it can be for everyone. Go to womenleadarkansas.org and use the discount code Uppity for 15% off our merchandise. We are all in this together. So, okay, so tell me about starting Girl Attorney. Mm -hmm. And I I will tell you what it means to me when we get into this conversation because it, it, uh, okay. it means a lot, so thank you for starting it. Ah,
1: thank you. So um, so while I was working at the plaintiff's firm before I started my own, I was going to uh, trial lawyer CLEs kind of all across the U.S., mm-hmm. and the plaintiff's bar – has a very small percentage of women. So there may be thousands of us across the U.S., but we are a small percentage of the whole. So I would go to these trainings and routinely be mistaken for somebody's spouse, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Or the paralegal who was lucky enough to get (laughs) to come along. Mm -hmm. Um, But in many cases, these were men who were not trying to disown me from the community. They were wanting to be polite to somebody's wife. Right. Right. Um, and so these aren't horrible experiences, except it's that thing I described earlier where you're just having to use this mental energy to say, actually, um, no, I'm actually one of you and it's awkward and, uh, we all learn from it and we move forward, but it was discouraging. And I was actually in the back of the room at one of those trainings and, um, I'm looking around online trying to find a community, something online, and ultimately it occurred to me to type in um, girl attorney, and that revealed nothing except that the domain was not purchased either, so I went ahead and bought it because I thought, oh, we'll do that. At the time at that firm, I was the only woman at that office, and so if I spoke with someone who was looking for counsel and if I was interested in offering representation to them, I would give them, here's my name, here's my direct line. But if you lose that, wherever you wrote that down, if you just remember the firm I work at, just call back and ask for the girl attorney Mm -hmm. Uh, because I'm the only one. And I did that for two reasons. One, I was literally the only female attorney, so it made it very easy for them. Um, And also, I really loved how... It put people at ease. There was something very approachable that was being conveyed by referring to myself in such an informal way. Right. And um, if someone's calling a plaintiff's firm that they pull out of the phone book or they find online, they do not have a friend or a colleague who's a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Right. Because then they call that friend or colleague who's a lawyer and then they send them over to you, right? And now you're talking to so-and-so's friend, but if this is a cold call to the law firm, because something bad happened to them and they're trying to figure out if they want to hire a counsel and whom, they don't have a lawyer friend. And so it was important to me to put them at ease so that they knew that I knew that we were both human beings and they could relax around me. Mm-hmm. There was no difference in my mind. So that was a way to do that too. So that was girl attorney in my mind. That's why I used it. That's how I used it. And then I bought the thing and um, It took a few years, actually, of owning that. And one day I just decided to go ahead and create a space where I thought um, my friends and I, who were all women, who were all attorneys, could um, get to know each other, right? So I did it. I actually – it's funny. I actually started – I called it Girl Attorney, and I didn't really know how to – I did not know how to do Facebook groups. And, um, and so I, it's 11 o'clock at night and I type in, it was like invite members is the box. Right. Right. So I type in my friend's name and click return. And now she's in the group and I'm immediately horrified (laughs) because there's like, you know what I mean? I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just at her like, what's going on. And so I immediately sent her a message. So now that I've done this, exploratory thing now i'm i'm instantly writing her and trying to explain um okay so i had this idea and anyway she's a very good friend still to this day she's the first member and she wrote back right away and said i think it's a great idea so that was very sweet um so that i think another couple weeks went by and i finally wrote a description for the group and then i added 46 women all women who were attorneys I knew all of them. They were all Facebook friends with me. It was every single one of my attorney friends on Facebook that are women. And, um, and then I just said, I was thinking about doing this, you know, where we could connect with each other and encourage each other and share good days and bad days. And, um, I know all of you, but you don't necessarily know each other. And I know all of, you know, other women, so you're welcome to add anyone. And, uh, about a week later, we had over a thousand women in the group and wow. everyone's introducing themselves and saying hi to people that they hadn't talked to in a long time. And, and then a few weeks after that, someone says, um, do you think people start posting questions about the practice? I had never anticipated that. Mm-hmm. I just thought it'll be a social group. I mean, it's Facebook after all. And so I hadn't anticipated that. Um, and then folks, you know, asking a bunch of questions about Texas or about Oklahoma and neither state really wants to hear all those questions and so someone suggested that i make a separate group for different states so i did i made a group for texas and then oklahoma and then i ended up just making the original group eventually i called it the national group but that was the original group Mm -hmm. and then we just started making state groups as people asked for them and uh, and then eventually i went ahead and asked um and got a group made for every state, even though no one has asked me, Can we please start Girl Attorney Alaska? But it exists for hmm. when the women in Alaska want it. <laughs> okay. So, um, so that's that's what's there, and we now have a network of over 25,000 women wow. that are laughing and crying and asking questions about how to do this and does anybody have a template for this that they would share or you know like my favorite is when someone posts at 5:30 in the morning I've been up for hours with a sick kid I have a court appearance at 7 a.m. in such and such county or not 7 a.m. at 9 a.m. at such and such county um is anyone going to be there who can cover that for me mm-hmm. and like they do yeah. And a lot of times it's not even someone they know. It's a stranger yep. of an attorney yep. who says, I got you. I will be there. And uh, the way that this creates um, uh, a nimbleness mm-hmm. for um, women to be able to practice law and live their lives outside of law and have it all move more smoothly because they're taking advantage of templates. They're getting questions answered. They're getting advice on, um, how to handle themselves in a certain courtroom, certain preferences, um, referrals, getting and giving referrals to other women attorneys. It, um, it's, it's, most of what's happening in the girl attorney spaces, I had never anticipated the ways it's most substantively helpful. I had not even anticipated. Um, and it's pure joy to get to see it happen and have a a little part in facilitating all of these connections. It just, uh, I feel really lucky I feel really really lucky and um, when I think about where we're at and where we're going I am mindful of doing right by the community so that it gets to continue to be a what it is first and foremost and that is just women connecting with women because mm-hmm. good stuff happens when women connect with women so I just that's that's the deal that's that's the story and that's where I'm at. I just wake up in the morning or connect in the, the act all the all the groups and um, and just peek in throughout the day and start over the next day.
0: It it's a tremendous resource. And I'm now determined to find some lawyer women lawyers in Alaska to join the group. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they're not part of it
1: yeah. I, I really do think about states where it's not active and, uh, and I wonder how I can what can I do to facilitate that I don't know yet every group and every state where it's active it has grown organically Yeah, I, there was no campaign hey Missouri you really ought to be doing this it's never that um just one woman typically it's one woman goes in and just basically randomly one day adds her 100 friends or one because now everybody's a lot more connected than they were right or certainly someone my age five years ago right or three or four years ago now it's been but um but people just have a ton of friends they're friends from law school and they've added them then and at any rate um, it's always been organic and one woman will add 100 people 200 people and say okay basically what I did and then it goes from there and then now we have a functioning muscle for those women in that state but I've never tried to make it work any other way I just it's there when they're ready
0: right well and I feel like that's what happened in Arkansas and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm probably about to give myself too much credit but a, a law school friend and I a law school friend added me to the Tennessee page and I, yes. I do not even remember why, because I don't practice in Tennessee. <laughs> I don't yes. know. But then, so I was kind of seeing how they operated, and they were asking legal questions and sharing statutes and cases. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's useful. And I had a question, so I looked for a Girl Attorney Arkansas page, and I found it, but there were just a few people on it. It didn't seem to be yes. active. And so I started nope. adding people, and then it it exploded. Yes. And it has become the best resource ever. And what's really interesting is is that I am not a shrinking violet. I am outspoken. I'm not afraid to ask the dumb questions. But there is a real difference. I, I was in a personal attorney, um, a trial attorney outlaw. At the ATLA group, the, um, yes. the trial, I, don't, I don't know what they're called now. They changed their name, but, um, yes.
1: Yeah. It's the American association for justice it used to be the American trial lawyers Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: And it's primarily men and the most vocal ones, and this was a listserv, not a, not a Facebook page, but the most vocal ones were, mm-hmm. they'd been doing this forever. So they knew everything. So there were times where I was like, so we don't have a bad faith cause of action against insurance companies here. And, oh, wow. And I, yeah, I need to change that. And so I asked a question, I was like, this insurance company is jacking my client around and, and, you know, but I can't find a cause of action or something. And they're like, well, there's no cause of action, you know, but I felt kind of like a stupid little girl (laughs) in the response. Mm -hmm. And so what I love about Girl Attorney is that for some reason, we don't feel insecure, I think, about asking each other questions, because I do think think that among women, there is this sort of a sense of we're all in this together. Also, not only just the legal part of it, but... I posted a question recently about a suit jacket. Like I need a longer suit jacket because I've discovered mm-hmm. these amazing yoga dress pants and they're so comfortable <laughs> beta brand. Uh, if anyone wants them, they're fantastic, but they, but I need a jacket that covers my ass because, right, right? because they're tight. And so yes. I wouldn't post that on the Atla listserv. Right. Oh and my so gosh. it's like, right. it's like these random things and, um, and we can share our experiences as women, you know, being forced to prove that we're lawyers, uh, ask, you know, the bailiff asking for a business card or something, yes. that that would be scoffed at or not taken seriously in a mixed group.
1: I I want to give a shout out to to the younger women. Mm-hmm. I I could be wrong. I'm not a sociologist, but from my front row seat watching these groups right day in day out, I think younger women are more comfortable being more vulnerable and saying, I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong, but I see a real comfort level that I don't remember growing up with. And of course everybody grows up in a different community in a different culture. But I don't think as a 20 something year old brand new into the profession you know, 20 years ago that I, that I would have felt that comfortable. I think young people today are not as interested in looking like they know all the answers all the time. And I think what a gift to themselves and to their clients mm-hmm. and to their community. My perception is, is that they are bringing a lot to the perfect, they're willing to think way out of the box, right? They're mm-hmm. not just tell me what to do. It's like, so what's the objective? And they're looking at all the ways you can do that. Um, and I just love watching them because I do feel like they bring a lot to the page, um, to the groups and to the community because they, they're in large numbers. And I think they contribute a lot to the tone, which is one of genuine curiosity and openness um, that, that I get to see in large numbers from the younger the younger attorneys. And of course, it's a perfect match with lawyers with more experience, who are eager to educate and encourage and support. And, you know, I very frequently see people say things like, where was this page? Right. (laughs) In 1988, when I was getting started, you know, like this would have been amazing when I was a solo practitioner in a small town in Iowa. Um, Like this is crazy yes i let's have lunch you know um i'd love to tell you more because there wasn't someone like me to help me yeah and uh so yeah it, it is uh so anyway so i'm i'm, I'm, I'm thankful that has been a good resource for you and i'm thankful that you had the guts to add the people because there is some it takes guts to say i'm gonna be the one that adds my friends that invites my friends to this page they've probably never heard of that has a cheeky name right Mm -hmm. um and there's not a bunch of dialogue they're not getting to see girl attorney tennessee they don't know what this is it's nothing yet right right it takes guts to be that person and to say all right ladies hello (laughs) i just added a whole bunch of you let's see what happens and uh i really admire and i just think of it just it is amazing to me that it takes one woman with some guts to basically get any or all these groups going. It's
0: very sweet. Well, I'm going to just go ahead and take credit since You do. We're talking do about that, it, but you're welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and and it's the you're welcome is to your community and your state. Right? They're the ones that benefit. It's so
0: sweet. Well, and listen, you know, I've got a nonprofit called Women Lead Arkansas. I mean, this is my, this is my thing. So, and I, it's been a few years, but I used to study women in the law, salaries and challenges. And, you know, I've done CLE on it and it is a real challenge for women, especially Mm -hmm. mothers, you know? Mm -hmm. And so as you were talking about the young women, I wonder, I'm just theorizing, I have no idea, but I wonder if it's because I'm 48 and, I wonder if it's because we, our generation or my generation and older, I guess, um, we had to, we felt like we had to act more like men to be part of the group. Yeah. So instead of trying to change the culture, we had to try to change ourselves Mm -hmm. to fit in. And I wonder if younger women are now, they've been raised or they're just have a different way of looking at things like, oh no, here I am and I'm not like you and that's okay. Yep. And their
1: spouses were also raised in that culture, unlike ours, Mm -hmm. where they're asking questions like, and again, it's not to a person, but there's so many men these days who are asking about paternity leave. Right. Right. and, And who are not complaining about their female colleague getting time off for maternity leave because their wife is working. And when she has a baby, they want her to take maternity leave, and they want to be able to take, so I'm just saying it, I think in all the ways that you're describing, I think, I, again, neither of us are social scientists, but my observation is the same, and and of course, there are studies that are saying, like, kids these days, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, be a partner in big law, be a partner in midsize law, right, that, I'm not sure I want that, right, I want things that affect the quality of my life. That's right. And that label isn't that the meeting where the partners get together and someone always leaves crying. <laughs> Why do I want that? Right. I don't want that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and and especially with with the advent of the internet, it really you can have very low overhead and you can have your own firm and. The whole culture is changing. You yes. can take care of clients at eleven o'clock at night because guess what? That's when a lot of clients want to take care of business. Yeah. Right. Because they're no longer at their work. They their kids are in bed and they're trying to figure it out online. Well, I don't want to work at eleven o'clock at night. So if someone's really looking to chat with a lawyer at that hour, I'm probably not going to be their lawyer. But someone can meet their need because someone's there. Mm-hmm. So it's just the whole work environment and the lawyer environment is is so different than it used to be and uh, that's one of the reasons why i'm so crazy about young people these days because yes. they are they're moving the needle
0: that's right and they're forcing us as this stodgy mm-hmm. old profession to mm-hmm. embrace technology more mm-hmm. it's you know and i try to explain to people listen everything we do is based on precedent <laughs> so we are very mm-hmm. slow to change because we do yes. the things the way it's always been done And, but I think there are huge opportunities, and there are ways to make money that may not be the billable hour, that may not be the traditional way that we make money. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm in the process. I'm actually trying to figure that out for myself, but that's a whole other conversation. And um, I've got to, I feel like we have so much to talk about, but Mm -hmm. I I don't want to keep you longer than than an hour. And so I've got about eight minutes, five minutes. Um, So, We're gonna have to do this again, or you're gonna have to call me when you do your podcast. Yes, yes. (laughs) And we'll discuss it even more. But um, so I know you put on. Is this the second year for Galcon? (gasps) Yes. Okay. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that, and then also if your vision for the future or what you would like to see going forward.
1: Yes. Okay. So the Girl Attorney Leadership Conference for Galcon, for short. um, It's funny just as an assign a little behind the scenes my first thought was to make the acronym nice and short just a four-letter acronym mm-hmm. so I was suggesting GALC oh <laughs> and one of my younger attorney friends was like that sounds like you're choking on something
0: <laughs> I agree with her <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I thought it sounded like strong and serious right. <laughs> she was like no you need to go with GALCON. And I felt a little self-conscious about it because of Comic-Con. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound very serious. And anyway, I'm glad I listened to her because GALC is awful (laughs) and GALCON was a much better idea. But anyway, so it is now officially an annual conference held in Washington, D.C. I bring in speakers from all across the U.S. Um, Women. Some of the women are active in our community some aren't you know some women just aren't on facebook it's just you know it's not active in their state um but these are all women who are leaders in their respective areas and who may or may not be uh nationally known people Mm -hmm. but they are making a big impact where they are and so last year we had women from both speakers and attendees from 10 states And our keynote speaker was the gal who wrote Sisters-in-Law. Her name is Linda Hirschman. Mm -hmm. And she gave a, oh my gosh, she just hit it out of the park. It was fun because Linda Hirschman is not a household name, not even to women attorneys. But she gave such an inspirational talk about the content of her book, which is um, the relationship, the histories, and eventual relationship between Sandra Day O'Connor and Justice Ginsburg mm-hmm. and how these very different women were good to each other in the workplace, how they worked with each other and supported one another, again, in spite of very f- different philosophies on life. So it's just a really sweet, um, The the both last year and this year, last year we had 100 people, this year we're limited to 120, I'm hoping for 20% growth. But it's a small enough space that you really get to know these women. We, this year, as last year, are actually going to close with a presentation from Bryant Johnson, who is Ruth Bader Ginsburg's personal trainer. Oh, yes. So he's on my radar because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Right. That said, this is an individual who on his own is a genuine um, hardworking, thoughtful, passionate about women's health, and just a consummate encourager. He is amazing. And he also just has a darling personality. So he gave our closing talk last year and led everybody in exercises and uh, uh, just sent us off with a bang. It was really wonderful. Wow. But it's just a really sweet time. Again, you're hearing from women. Um, the way I style it is – it's intentional. I don't want it to be for somebody who does a certain type of law. I bring in speakers that are going to talk on matters of substance, no matter what, whether you're big law or you're a solo practitioner you do family law or you do plaintiff's law. These are all subject matters that um, are of particular interest to you because you're a woman or um, uh, for example, equal pay, we talked, that was, we had a couple people speak last year on you know, one woman spoke on the motherhood penalty, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, that was Michelle Coughlin from um, Mother's Esquire. And we had Lori Anders talk about equal pay. So Lori Anders is representing women all across the U S for pay discrimination cases, gender-based pay discrimination cases, but she's moving the needle, making a difference in a space where it's dominated by men, right? Mm-hmm. Because historically men are the plaintiffs lawyers. It's just been very slow to bring women into this area. So anyway, just that's what has happened before. This is what we're doing again. And again, it's a it's a conference that's really centered around building community between women attorneys, no matter their type of practice, no matter their years of experience. It's a we're all in this together, we can better serve our community and our clients with more education in all of these areas. So I'm just so excited about it. Um, Happen again this year. It's the end of April, April 23rd through 25th. And this year's keynote speaker, have you heard? I don't think so. It's Lily Ledbetter.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) The
0: Lily Ledbetter. I can't even believe it. (laughs) I can't even believe it. Well, how are you finding Um, these people? Or do you have contacts in D.C. that are helping you get these speakers? I just
1: basically call around and beg. (laughs) I'll tell you, too. Lily came on this Ledbetter, got on my radar in part. Of course, we just have all heard of her. Sure, But. About, I think it was spring of this year, it may have been by summer, Lily Ledbetter started liking the Girl Attorney LLC post on Facebook. Oh. So it was, one day I see Lily Ledbetter's name, and I'm like, what? <laughs> so I click through, and sure enough, it's the Lily Ledbetter is liking our daily post. Wow. So that made my day, and, you know, it happens again and again, and at one point I screenshot it, you know, because, like, you got to get that, because then the next person likes it, and it's like right. Jane Smith right. and 25 others, whatever, right? So I quick got a screenshot when it's Lily's name, and I tagged her, and it was so cheesy, but I was so happy. I was like, when Lily let, that is liking your post. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Something super cheesy like that. But um, so she was on my radar because... We were on her radar. And so I reached out to her agent. She was so sweet. She was like, yes, please, 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 please put a proposal together, make her an offer. And uh, I'm very pleased and was really, really honored that she said yes. So, um, you know, um, Linda Hirschman was amazing. And after she gave her talk, I mean, everybody, of course, before and after, everyone's getting her to sign the book and um, anxious to meet her. And she was really lovely. She's super witty. So Linda was lovely. And what I love, especially about Lily, is that everyone knows who she is already. And no matter your leanings politically, we all agree Yes. Women should be paid equal pay for equal work, yes. right? This is a nonpartisan issue, and I picked Linda last year because it's this was a beautiful representation of two very different women who have a a friendship. They work together, right? Mm-hmm. So it's these are important themes for me. Mm-hmm. We we're on the same team, even when we're opposite each other in cases. Right, we're, right. We are also on the same team. Both things are true. It's not about. You Always meet in the middle. Hopefully, you can, but if you can't, you go try your case. That's okay. That doesn't mean you're anybody's being difficult, just sometimes you got to try the cases. But there's always this um, message of professionalism and mutual respect. And um, man, Lily went to the mat for all of us, and her story's really compelling because. I don't want to give it away. Um, And everybody will get a copy of her book and she's going to sign the book and she'll take your picture with you. But we're set up to everyone who comes gets equal access. So I'm just really, really thrilled. I feel, um, again, I just feel really lucky getting to move the ball forward and connect women with each other because um, very, very sweet things happen and and good things happen for yeah. those women and for the women they affect, right? Whether it's their their bosses get a more productive worker, um, their colleagues get uh, a more enthusiastic team player, um, their clients get uh, a, a lawyer who's refreshed and knows more and knows more people, um, and not to mention, you know, at her home, whether it's she – she's the the master of her apartment that she's not responsible for any child or animal right Mm -hmm. (laughs) good for her or if she's coming home to a pet or a significant other or children no matter what when you are more you know supported when you know you're part of community um, you bring more to everything that you encounter I really believe that and so I I see the value, whether it's in the groups or in the conference. These are opportunities to connect and strengthen yourself by connecting with other people.
0: Yes. And when you're in that supportive environment, you are more likely, I think, to pay it forward, whether you realize it or not.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can't help yourself. Right. Right. You just can't help yourself. You've got something, something that's been poured into you and you are ready to give it on. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. And then ultimately what I want to do is, um, and it's really just a function of time and I've yet to create more time in order to make this happen, but we will be doing regional CLEs in the future. Um, and so that it won't be, um, uh, the it won't be the identical experience of Galcon because that's its own thing, but it also won't have the travel expenses, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether it's a drive or a flight and a hotel room, I want to provide these in-person experiences that are you know a short drive down the road, um, so that we can do that because there's women leading in all all across the U.S. There's no reason to make the only way we're connecting women um, is in another state when when they're right down the street from you right. they are you right? right we we need to get those women their their space for everyone to get together there too so um well you let I me just, know
0: when you need some help right. in the in the south or, or midwest whatever i will however you refer to oklahoma i don't know i think of it is the south but
1: <laughs> oh yeah i think well um it is it's
0: midwest-ish south yeah Midwest, yeah. it's a little yeah, southwest yeah, yeah. too, so Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yep. Good central location for a conference. <sighs> yeah, no it
1: really would be. But uh, yeah, destination city. <laughs> that's right. As a matter of fact,
0: <laughs> that's right. Well, um, I will get to one of the conferences. I don't know if it'll be this one, the the one in the spring, but I'm I watch it and I'm interested and I'm really excited about what you're doing and I just cannot tell you enough or well enough how much I appreciate what you are doing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And I will coordinate with you to come visit and stay with your house. I'm going to bring my husband to you. Oh,
1: perfect. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm I'm so excited. All, right, all my kids are, well, all but one of my kids are off to college now, so we have too many beds in the house that are not being used. I, the waste makes me crazy, but uh, no one will let me move
0: yet, so there you go. Well, I'm sure Jason is dying to see more of my origin story, so... so we'll... <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, thank you so much, and I really appreciate your time and talking to me, thank and you. Um, if ever you need anything at all for, really, I mean it, just... Just let okay. me know. I'm I'm right here. I will be calling. All right. Thank you, Susan. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.